Hello, and welcome to Banking Transform, the top podcast in retail banking. I'm your host, Jim Roos, owner and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. Customers are more likely to engage with their bank or credit union if contacted in a timely manner on their preferred communications channel. More than ever, these channels are highly personalized digital options. Be it text, video, audio, secured chat, or social messaging, consumers want to stay connected with their financial institution across their entire customer journey. The challenge for financial institutions is how to implement a digital communication strategy that is both secure and compliant. We have Ashish Garg, co-founder and CEO of Eltapri, on the Banking Transform podcast. Ashish discusses the many ways that financial institutions have used digital messaging to improve engagement and revenue opportunities. Consumers expect their financial institutions to communicate with them in a personalized manner using the channels they prefer. More importantly, they expect the communications to bring value and to be time-sensitive. Financial institutions can now improve acquisition, onboarding, sales, retention, customer service, and collections with an omnichannel digital communication strategy. This will boost customer engagement and enhance the customer experience. So Ashish, to start off, can you describe a little bit about Eltapri and the services your firm provides? Yes. So Jim, um, thank you for having me on your show. My name is Ashish Garg. I'm the founder and CEO of Eltapri. I'm waving at you if you can see me. And there's a little bit of sunshine here in California, where I'm dialing in from. So we, Eltropy, uh, we are a fintech. We work with credit unions and community banks across America. And what we help these, these community financial institutions is to have conversations with their members and their customers, but have those conversations digitally. So for example, I'll give an example, Jim. Um, Last year, I spent a couple of months in India. That's where I'm from, by the way, last summer. Unfortunately, I came back from a very long India trip with acute lower back pain. And I had to take a doctor's appointment. Unfortunately, I was not even able to drive. But my doctor here in San Jose, the Stanford Clinics, they give me an option to do video appointments. So all I did was go into the app, schedule a video appointment, and here you go. Like the amount of time I was able to save, right? Just getting on a quick call with, with my doctor on a video, it just completely transformed my clinic experience. And I don't think I'm ever going back to a clinic in person ever again. So I think that's become more of the norm as the world has evolved, um, unfortunately, because of the pandemic. So more people just want the convenience to be able to do things wherever they are. So what differentiates Eltropy compared to your competitors in the marketplace? I think the biggest differentiator is the following that A, we are fully committed to the community financial institution movement. That's where we focus on. And as a result, what we have is we've learned what these CFIs need from a use cases perspective. Number two, we've also learned what are the different systems these CFIs have, like core banking system, lending systems, and we provide out-of-the-box integrations into those systems. And, and the third and the most critical part is CFIs by, by design actually don't have large IT teams. They have small IT teams. So one area where we focus tremendously 
is becoming that extension and providing that service that the CFIs need. So it's not just the software that we provide, but also the service, helping them implement it, deploy it, use it, and train them again and again. So those, I would say, are the three biggest differentiators. And that's really interesting because I think more than ever, especially the smaller financial institutions, wants to implement something at scale and at speed, but they need a partner that's going to actually, I'll use an American football analogy, take the ball and run down the field without me having to go down the field with them. And that partnership is very important, but also having an organization that's really focused on that size of organization. It's different than if they're working with a very large organization that really doesn't give a, a smaller institution as much of their time. So why is digital communication so much stronger than most other traditional forms of communication? So I would say like, if you think about traditionally how people have been communicating, right? One is that you get into your car and drive up to a branch and you meet somebody over there and you have a conversation, let's say with a loan officer or a financial service representative. I think those situations continue to exist, but they're becoming more and more about an emergency. Like if you truly, it's an emergency situation, that's when you'll actually get into your car and drive and spend the time and the energy to having that conversation. For most people, um, I think, especially like I have little kids, like being able to find the time to actually drive and all of that is, is not super convenient. The second thing, Jim, is phone calls, right? Like, like by the way, yesterday was Super Bowl. My most favorite Super Bowl ad was this Bud Light ad where this lady's on a hold on a call. And, and, and like the yep. call recording is playing and she and her husband start dancing. That was quite hilarious. But I think what happens with phone calls, unfortunately, managing call volume is not easy for community financial institutions because the amount of staffing and the resourcing that you need, right? And then when people call, people are on a hold for a very long time. It's not the best experience. So now with digital technologies, what happens, I'll give an example of texting, right? Like I can text somebody, and the social norm is that people can text me back either in five seconds or 10 seconds or 60 seconds or, one, or like two minutes. It's okay. It's convenient and it's easy. You know, it's interesting because, you know, the research shows that a text is opened many multitudes more than any email is and certainly easier to get a hold of somebody than a phone call. But, you know, obviously these digital communications, text, video, audio, chat, even social messaging, there's things that stand in the way why financial institutions don't implement those. There's challenges in the way. What are the most important challenges that you see that get in the way of financial institutions actually implementing these very powerful tools? Yes, I would say, Jim, there are three main challenges. The first and foremost is compliance. So I'll give an example. Text messaging is regulated by the U.S. government, and the government has created many rules compared to email. So, for example, I'm guessing your email is full of spam, but in text, you get very little spam. The reason is that texting is regulated. So the first fear that CFIs have, hey, is that, is it legal for me to adopt these technologies? So the compliance side of things. So that's a big hurdle. So when I started this company, Eltropy, one of the first things we did is to hire one of the best attorneys in America to understand the law. And what we do is we, we A, educate CFIs what the law is, and then B, help them comply with the law with features in our software and also with best practices. So that's number one. 
Number two, I think it's it's everywhere these days, it's data security. So how to use these digital channels to exchange information, exchange documents, but still keep it secure. That's very, very critical. So that's another area where I personally have spent a lot of time in understanding how does encryption work? How do you move data from one place to the other and still keep it very secure? And then the third thing is that, that community financial institutions have, have many, many systems and this communication somehow has to integrate seamlessly into those systems. And now if let's say you're buying a text messaging or a video banking technology, for a CFI to sit and make all those connections to your core system, your lending system, collection system, it's not easy. So the way we've tried to solve it is provide out of the box integrations into those systems. So those are the three main challenges, Jim. So some institutions already do digital communication, but many of them do what I'll call a one-to-many digital communication. They use digital to, to blast out things in much the same way we used to use traditional yeah. media. What's the difference between one-to-one and one-to-many digital communication strategies? Yes. Yeah, so what happens is that, that the usually the one-to-many communication that you're doing is usually automated. And then what happens is usually the number of people getting their messaging is tremendous. So it's great for notifying people what is happening. So let's say there's a weather-related emergency and the branches are going to be shut. The one-to-many communication is wonderful, right? You run a campaign and you send a text campaign to everybody notifying them, hey, our branches are closed today. Please do not come to the branch today. However, when it comes to most people, people, of course, want to know what's happening, but they also want to have a conversation. And that is one-to-one, usually. So you want to be able to send something, receive something back, and truly have a conversation just like you would if you were to go to a branch. So that's one-to-one communication. So in researching the solution set from Meltropy, and it was very interesting, I was surprised to see the potential for digital communications in the collections process. I, it, it's not something I usually process, but what are the benefits of using text or other digital communications as opposed to a traditional phone calling or email process for collections? Yes. So on this, Jim, I have to tell you a story that I'm an immigrant to America. I came to America 21 years ago as a student. And once what happened, I had to go to the emergency room uh, for something minor. And after that, I got a lot of doctor bills. And as an immigrant to America, I thought these bills are just recommendations. Like if you ignore them, they go away. <laughs> um, so I ignored what was good luck. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> and here's what happened. I was just inundated and bombarded with collections calls after that. And those, the thing about collections calls is that, that there are so many of them, they come again and again. And the phone number from which they come, you don't recognize the person who's calling you, right? So most of us just let it go to voicemail. Or, or even when I picked up those calls, it was very embarrassing for me to explain my personal situation or my silliness to a stranger on the phone. Right. So what we've learned is that, and, and I'm actually sharing some data with you, that if you make, if a community financial institution was to make a hundred collections calls, maybe one call gets picked up with a person is not rude and they truly want to have a conversation because people are embarrassed at that moment. However, if you do the same thing via text, 
you send out 100 texts, 40 people respond to those text messages. Wow. So on day one, you see a 40x increase in engagement and response. So Jim, I have a question in return for you. What do you think that is, that people won't pick calls, but they respond to texts? Any ideas why? Well, for me, I can just give my own example. Is number one, a text stands out. It it's it's it hits my inbox, but it hits my phone directly. I can see yeah. it, as opposed to email that just gets put in a list of fifty others. For me, two hundred and fifty other emails in a day. Secondly, it's easier for me to respond in a short way. And thirdly, um, in most cases, and compared to a phone call, especially. I have a, a system that basically bumps out any phone number that's not on my contact list. And and I'll be honest with you, my financial institution normally is not on my contact yeah. list. So I at least get yeah. it. That's at least in my situation. Yes. And if I may please add to that, like when you're getting a phone call from a random number, right? You, all you're seeing on your screen is the number. There's no context, right? Why they're calling or who's right. calling. But let's say if you get a collections text and what we have at Eltrop, we have lots of beautiful templates. So something like this, dear Jim, this is Ashish, your credit resolution specialist from Star One Credit Union. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I just wanted to have a quick conversation about you, about your loan payment, which is now overdue. So when you see that text, you have the context of who it is, why they're texting, etc., which then leads to many, many more conversations. Yeah, that's great. And and with so much more fraud happening by phone calls, you you know, I don't trust anybody that wants any information. They got to tell me what they know about me first. And, you know, that, that text allows you to do that. You know, how, you know, we talk about it, the digital versus the phone. How can digital be added to phone or email for a greater effectiveness? Yes, that's a very good point. So here's what we noticed. And let's go back to collections for a moment that a lot of times what happens is the conversation starter is actually a text message conversation. So like you send somebody a text, they'll text you back. But usually what happens is collections matters are complex. It's difficult to hash it out via a text conversations. So a lot of these text conversations then lead to phone conversations, which then lead to an email going out with some sort of a document to be signed with some sort of a promise. So essentially what happens is all these different mediums of communication, they sort of seamlessly transition. They start somewhere, then you go to another, and then you go to another to get the job done. You know, it's interesting. When when I worked directly with financial institutions, I was uh, actually in the direct marketing business. And a challenge we had in trying to sell text messaging to financial institutions was, number one, a lot of the people we were trying to sell it to within the financial institution didn't like text. They, they weren't aware of text. They were, they were old school and they liked email. A lot of these people have actually changed. I'll tell you from my own perspective, when my son was in sports, because all of a sudden we realized anybody young doesn't ever pay attention to email. They only pay attention to text. But when you're talking about collections, there's a little bit more sensitive data there. And it can also be involved in onboarding and sales messaging. We need to be aware of both security and compliance concerns. How does Eltrapri help clients alleviate these concerns? Yes, that's a very, very good point. So let's talk about sort of security for a moment and also sensitive data. So what we've done is that, that let's say you're having a text conversation with somebody and then the person at the other end 
wants to share the credit card number or the debit card number, which they shouldn't be doing via text. So we've actually built filtering in our system, which filters for PII. PII stands for personal identifiable information. So like social security numbers, credit cards, debit cards, et cetera. So what our system does, Jim, is that we block that information from going back and forth because that is system, that's not supposed to be shared. The second thing is that we, we created a technology where let's say if you want to send me some PII or a document, instead of you sending that to me as a picture text, what I'll do, let's say as a credit union, I'll first send you a text and in that text is a secure link. You click on the link, then we'll take you to a secure site, we'll authenticate your identity and that's when you load your sensitive information. Let's say a picture of your driver's license. So that way is now what we can make sure that you're on a secure site and all the information you're providing is encrypted. So that obviously helps a lot of the challenges and it puts the customer's mind at ease that not only are they dealing with their organization, but that the information they're going to be passing along is safe and secure. You know, it's interesting because as I looked at the history of Elterpria, obviously it seems like you started with, with the power of texting, but you've now added video, chat, and social messaging. How have some of your most progressive clients combined all these digital technologies to make it even a more robust communication structure? Yes. So I'll give you my own example again, Jim. Like about a couple of months ago, my credit union is Provident Credit Union. I had to do a large wire transfer. So I called them and they said, sir, this wire transfer is beyond the limit we can approve on a phone. So you have to come to the branch. And I had two little sick kids at my home, so I had to bundle them, put them in my car, drive for 30 minutes. And all they had to do there was check my ID and look at my face. That's all that was needed. So now in the, in, in the universe of digital, here's what happens. So when I make that phone call to, the, to that credit union, the credit union says, sir, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to now send you a text message with a link. As soon as you get on the text, click on the link and through that link, you'll be able to join a video call with me. So now please imagine you're doing a phone call from your cell phone. While the call is going on, you get a text, you hang up on that call, click on the link on that text, and it starts a video call from your cell phone. So sitting at your home, now you take out your ID, you put it next to your face, boom, done. And you now have saved one hour and two hangry kids. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, well, you know, what's, what's interesting though is because of COVID, because of the pandemic, we got much more comfortable with digital communications, with video messaging, with social messaging, and we're getting much more comfortable with chat. You know, what's interesting is when you look at all these together, people still need to be educated that this is much more secure. You know, you referenced already the the double touch authentication, the ability to use the phone and your face and video and things like this nature to really make it that so that you're really you um, without having to come into the branch. You know, when you look at the implementation of your solutions and you're working with, as you said, smaller and mid-sized financial institutions, if I was a financial institution that wanted to start to implement your services, how long does it take for me to get up and running? That's a very good question. So, Jim, 
depending on which solution you're trying to implement. So for example, what we at LTP provide is text messaging. We provide video banking, we, try, we provide secure chat. And very recently, we also now provide AI technologies. So like chatbots, voice bots, et cetera. Uh, the most basic technology that we provide, for example, text messaging, a community financial institution can be up and running in a matter of weeks. So let's say you have a kickoff call with us. And by the way, the other day, one of my team sent me a report. They took a credit union live in two weeks from having the initial kickoff call. Just think about that for a moment. I'm sorry. I didn't know financial institution could make any decision in two weeks. That's tremendous. Yeah. And because, see, when it comes to text messaging, it's very simple, right? Most people text on their cell phones, right? You know how it is done. All we need to do is give them a secure login into our system. And then we just do a quick training and people are up and running in no time. And the best part was that the day credit unions go live or credit unions community banks go live with text messaging, they start seeing value on day one. Because you make 100 phone calls, one gets picked up, you send 100 text messages, 40 get responded. That's instant conversations now you're having and instant ROI. So it's just tremendous how quickly you can be up and running and how quickly you can get these efficiency gains. And and if I'm not mistaken in talking to your team, you can compartmentalize the solution. So rather than saying I'm going to implement everything at once, if I wanted to do it just in the area of collections or if I wanted to do it just in the area of onboarding, something of this nature, you can implement a compartmentalized solution to be able to get up and run even faster, correct? Yes, absolutely. And so, Jim, we have a philosophy at Eltropy. We call it think big, start small, move quickly. So this is what we recommend to CFIs that, hey, instead of trying to boil the ocean, let's figure out where the low-hanging fruit is. And what I mean by low-hanging fruit, something we can do quickly to prove ROI and efficiency again. Let's get a quick win, which gets the staff excited, which gives a better experience to your customers, to your members. And then from there, you build upon that. So the low-hanging fruit in a lot of ways is collections, lending, and your contact center, marketing, like this is sort of some of the low-hanging fruit where you see instant ROI. You know, that that's interesting. I, I smile when you said that because it is so interesting how so few organizations who are selling to the financial service area really think in that way. Be but the good news is, from your standpoint, this is a win-win. If you get them, the, your, your partner solution, your partner financial institution to win early, they will reinvest in that solution in new ways. And if I'm not mistaken, you can help a financial institution with a lot of ideas on what has worked in other organizations without giving away names or strategies. But you can get them on that pathway. I, I call it like being on a Google Maps where you, you the, the crowdsourcing of solutions becomes very powerful, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I think I would say that by and large, most community financial institutions at any point in time are actually dealing with very similar challenges. So this yeah. is what I call sort of pattern recognition. What me and my team are very good at is understanding what are some of the pain points everybody's seeing out there and then recommending best practices and use cases and templates. So they don't have to reinvent the wheel. We give them sort of a box in which they can play very, very quickly. And of course, if they want to customize things or make them more attuned to their own processes or system, that's always 
a possibility. But I usually recommend that as step two, not as step one. So uh, being very current and uh, trying to stay on top of what's going on in the marketplace, how do you see conversational AI or chat GPT impacting the world of digital communications that you're involved in daily? Yes. I would say that what ChatGPT has done is it has brought AI to the front and center of conversations in our life. That AI, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, there are chatbots, but they don't really work. Every time I want to use a chatbot, I usually want to talk to an agent, right? Or I make a phone call and this automated lady picks up on the other side. I always say, agent, agent, go talk to an agent. I think what ChatGPT is going to do is going to bring in more trust that AI can truly work because these algorithms are getting better and better and better and more human-like. And then what will happen is it'll be the explosion of the application of this technology in every sphere and aspect of our life. So much, much yeah. more acceptance. That's a good point. So as we start to close, what is on your company's to-do list for 2023? What do you want to achieve by the end of the year and actually for the next three years? And how do you keep pace with what your customers want? So one of our big things this year is to invest in AI. And going back to the point, Jim, that you made about chat GPT, I think this, this moment that has happened is a big pivotal moment in the way people are going to utilize AI in their personal lives going forward. It's a big, big area of focus for us. So what we did last year, Jim, we actually made two acquisitions. We acquired a company called Marsview, which is an AI company. Through Marsview, we've got about 14 scientists and engineers that build these AI models from scratch. So that's a big, big area of focus for us because what we keep hearing from community financial institutions, that staffing continues to be a challenge. Like, like putting people in a contact center. It's not an easy job, right? Answering all those questions. Also, they can probably staff nine to five, but people's expectations are 24-7, right? So how do you Correct. extend your service times? This is where I, I believe Jim, AI can play a very big role. So that's big area of investment for us. The second thing what we're trying to do is coming out with a single unified platform in which you can do text, video, chat, voice, audio, AI, everything in the same system. And this also solves a big problem for community financial institutions that they, they're acquiring all these technologies, but now they're dealing with five vendors or six different vendors, right? And the complexity right, right. just explodes. So the more we can simplify that, give them a single user interface for their employees, as well as for their customers and members, I think that goes a long way in driving usage of these technologies. So I would say those are the two main areas of focus for us is deploying more automation through AI and also combining everything into a same platform. Yeah, because, it, it, you know, the same platform idea, it's all using the same thought process, all using digital technology. But when you start looking at uh, conversational AI, deploying that across all those different platforms, be it video, audio, chat, and and text, it, it, it becomes very powerful. So finally, Ashish, what is your advice to community banks and credit unions in today's marketplace with regard to communications for engagement? So one thing I would say is that, that, again, going back to my personal life, Jim, I'm an immigrant to America, and I came to America as a student 21 years ago. There's actually a community financial, actually two community financial institutions that touched my life. One was Texans Credit Union, 
they gave me my first loan using which I bought my car. And then Provident Credit Union here in, in, in California, they gave me a loan using which I bought my home. So CFIs are, I think, really critical for the underserved in America because I used to be one of them and they can truly transform people's lives. So what has not changed and what I don't think will ever change is with these people who are looking for financial services, having those conversations with them, right? That's when you truly understand who these people are, what are their aspirations, what are their limitations and how as a CFI you can have them. So conversations are not changing. It's the way those conversations are being had is what is changing. So it's from having more and more of them face to face, they're probably happening, like everybody's addicted to their cell phones, it's happening more perhaps through other communication mediums. So my advice for CFIs is that, that as you're on this journey to digitize and deploy more digital conversations, please keep three things in your mind. Whichever vendor you select, first of all, please make sure they're, they're committed to CFIs because CFIs are very unique. They have the commitment and a lot of time commitment can be exhibited by their team, by the number of, of integrations they have, by the number of clients they have. That's number one. Number two yeah. is that, that don't try to boil the ocean and try to do everything in the same shot. Have a roadmap. And Jim, you said it beautifully. Have a Google map, right? Start somewhere, do something small, get some quick wins and take it from there. Number two. And number three is also, it's not just about giving your customers and members a wonderful experience. Please also keep your employees in your mind because your employees are the ones who are at the other end of the conversation. So whatever you, your technology or platform you select, please also make sure that your employees love it. It actually simplifies their life instead of complicating their life further. You know, it's interesting, Ashish, throughout this entire communication, the podcast that we've done, you have not referred to these as channels or messages. You've referred to them as conversations. And on this podcast, I'm, I'm continually emphasizing we have to move from experiences to engagement. We have to build these conversations. We have more ways than ever to do so. And they don't all have to be sales related. You know, the power of, of digital communications is you can now point people towards content on your site to help them get better in financial wellness. And you referenced the, the fact that you're an immigrant and some of the examples you have. But I think that as organizations start to see that these can be deployed at scale, that a consumer that calls up or connects with your financial institution says, I'm having trouble paying my bills, it doesn't become just a, a unilateral um, communication. It becomes a bilateral or multilateral communication. And you can point them with digital communication to tools you have within your website that can help them solve their issues. Ashish, I really appreciate the time you spent with us today and, and especially your commitment to the community financial institution because I think that sometimes we miss that. And for the financial institution, you know, you mentioned a couple of them on the podcast, to be able to implement as quickly as you referenced and to be able to generate an ROI, this is not an implementation for 2023. This is an implementation before the second quarter of this year. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Jim. I truly enjoyed our conversation today. And that's why we are in the business of digital conversations. So thank you very, very much. 
Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, the winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. We appreciate the support we have received to make this endeavor a success. If you enjoy what we're doing, please take some time to show some love in the form of a review on your favorite podcast app. Finally, be sure to catch my articles on the financial brand and check out the research you're doing for the Digital Banking Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our senior producer, Leah Haslidge, audio engineer, Sean Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Remember, if you have a message that is time-sensitive and provides a customer value, don't rely on traditional media to do the job. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.